0: Welcome to Be and Think in the House of Trust. My name is Servan Moisan from Conscious Innovation. And in this series, I create a thinking environment with people who ignite social and environmental impact through their investment of funds, resources, and commitments for a better world. We look at the conditions that generate more trust, more effective and kind collaborations. And also we look with professionals in this ecosystem at what makes it easier for them to amplify their impact, to embrace complexity and to do more work that really changes things for the better. It always seems impossible until it's done, said Nelson Mandela. My next guest, Maria Tinelli, is an Argentinian and a social finance specialist, and she loves this quote by Mandela. She surely sees the glass half full, but even for her sometimes the task ahead seems impossible. So Maria started her own impact finance company to develop what she believed in. The premise was to really change the status quo through which finances and our economic system, capitalist system, seems to operate which she finds extremely unfair, not only to other human beings, but to the planet. Maria focuses on the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, as a framework, and she also worked very deeply on gender equality. And through her personal stories, she explains to us how to create your catalytic circles of power and the responsibility and hope that come with these. So I hope you enjoy this episode in the House of Trust. everyone every week I'm sharing a moment with an inspiring leader who loves to invest in social and environmental change and helps us tell one another and the planet you matter together we take the time to think beyond skills and competencies about the behaviors and conditions that help you trust and collaborate deliver on your strategy and fulfill your mission as an impact investor and today, I have Maria Tinelli, Strategic Business Advisor of ProMujer International. ProMujer means for women, and is there to advance gender equality in Latin America. And Maria, you are the director and the founder of a Crux Partners, an impact investment intermediary and market developer focused on Latin America. You founded and, headed the, and you head the Impact Investment National Advisory Board for Argentina, Uruguay, and Paraguay. And together with Social Finance UK and the Inter-American Development Bank, you've structured the first social impact bond for Argentina and you know act as the social impact bond performance manager. Since early 2020, you are an advisor to the SDG Impact Initiative under UNDP. Your list of achievements in impact investing and international development is impressive. And Maria, there's a sentence I saw you quote once online by Nelson Mandela, it always seems impossible until it's done. But
1: what seems impossible to you at the moment, Maria? Thank you, Servan. It's a pleasure to share this time together and, and, and another very insightful conversations like the one we always have together. What seems impossible? Sometimes the task ahead seems impossible in terms of what I set up to do when I decided to um start my own company to start doing what I believed in was to really change the statu quo, to change the paradigm through which finances and and uh, our economic system, the capitalist system seems to operate, which is extremely unfair, not only to other human beings, but um, to the planet as a whole. So that sometimes, uh, depending on on the week you have or on the day you wake up, might seem a, a very daunting task. But what I've learned through many, many years of trying to change this statu quo is that it doesn't matter how impossible the task Seems if you start breaking it into little pieces and and start pulling from one thread uh, that it's closer to you in order to affect that change. Even if it means changing the way you do something on your day-to-day life, like instead of throwing the rubbish all in the same bin, start separating something as simple and as as small as that might seem will have an eventual impact. You can take that that then to your professional life. You can start. Um, Trying to affect change in the circles of powers that we all operate. It doesn't mean that you have a director title or a CEO title. Uh, it, it, it doesn't mean that those individuals are the only ones interacting with circles of powers. We all interact with circles of power all the time. We all have ways of affecting change and voting, whether it is with our vote, with our wallets, with how we invest our pension, with how we invest our, our money, regardless of how much or little we have with the little circles of power that we interact with day in, day out and try to uh, draw attention to people when they're into patterns that reinforce the system that is not taking us um, very far, at least not the majority of of the human race uh, or the planet and, and start changing from there. So whenever the task seems impossible, and it does many times, you pull from the thread that you've got closest and you try to affect change in your different circles of power.
0: Mm, I love these little circles of powers because there seems something like, yeah, it seems it sounds like a responsibility, but it, it, there's a lot of hope in that as well. What do you yeah. think?
1: There is a lot of hope. I think I am a hopeful person. I'm like a glass, glass half full kind of person. And, and, and I have a personality that is wired in that way potentially from things that happened to me at a very early age in my life, you, you have two options. When when life throws stuff at, at you and, and throws heavy stuff at you, you have two options. It's like you're either going to see the glass half empty and that's going to sort of create your neurological pathway for, for, for life, really. Uh, and you're going to see the, the glass half empty all the time, regardless of how many beautiful and bountiful things life throws at you afterwards or you can see that as as also an opportunity to see things in a different way to see I saw a movie once that it's called collateral beauty and it's it's literally that is to see the collateral beauty in many of of the other things that seem unnoticeable when something hard is happening so that translated to what i do in life i think there's a lot of that into uh how i perceive the work i do and how even if the task seems enormous, this other little circles of power is where I see hope. And is if I manage to affect change in a particular bank in a particular country, well, that's mm-hmm. great. I don't need to change the whole system because I I'm I'm trustful in that that change in that particular institution will then affect change in its own right and would create this sort of catalytic effect and it sounds like a big word catalytic effect but when you start seeing that happening in practice when you start seeing that people repeat some stuff you said or that or are using things that are you believe in and that you were the one that introduced that conversation in that particular institution or in that particular little circle of power that gives me hope because you're not alone it
0: reminds me of the the effect of a, a a positive virus you know like the it's the, 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 the benevolent contamination, in in from one person to another, that brings change, one conversation at a time, one one show at a time, one investment at a time. I love this. It it reminds it reminds me as well of the necessary effort that we need to make to really pause and talk to people and. Uh, And, you know, listen to them and take them on the journey where they can in turn
1: affect change. Mm -hmm. Indeed. And And you create this, you create this sort of like a wave effect. You have to be mindful, though, that you will set many times you will set it in motions. Many times others have set it in motion or you're jumping on that wave to take it forward, but then you don't know where it ends. So mindful of You take it up to a point and then you let go and it will go on its own and it will take a form of its own. And that's sometimes a hard thing to do because you, you, each of us think on a particular way and are very passionate about the things we do. And we think, okay, this is the way I imagined it. Well, it's not, it's not going to end up the way you imagine it. It's going to end up a different way, but that's not bad. That's a good thing is that there's been an appropriation of either the idea or the, Proposition you were making to the market or to the system of power that you were trying to affect change in, and um, and then that that has been taken forward. But it, it's going to take a different dimension. It's going to take a different um, form than the one you maybe imagined. So so long as you're comfortable with that, then you're fine. So yeah, that's. That's exactly what it is. You create, you, you plant the seed. And then I always say that, especially when I speak to students at university level students is, uh, I'm sowing the land here, I'm preparing the land and I'm planting little seeds in, in in heads. And then it's you who are gonna take it forward. I might not even see the amazing things that you're gonna do in life because mm-hmm. I might not be here anymore. But the fact that you take this forward, that's all we want. <laughs>
0: Wow, and that's another another string to your to your instrument. There, you got a gardening, uh, a, a, a philosophical gardening um, um, job here <laughs> with, with teaching students. Maria, you work at the intersection of social finance and gender equality. How does that connect
1: with what you've just said? Well, I think that gender equality is one of the most it was one of the biggest, most obvious elephants in the room, but it's it, we still need to talk about it. My 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 wish is that we don't have to talk about gender equality anymore in in a few years' time because it's so obvious that the world's population is half and half. That why should it be any different? The fact that it's not, it's um it's then becomes part and parcel of what I do in more overall terms in terms of impact investment and of changing the status quo that we all seem to be operating under. Hmm. Um, so the intersection comes in many ways. But one is it's not that it's um, it's a right and it's an acquired right of of women because we are human beings, because we co-inhabit this land together with men to have the same rights and to have the same rights to access to essential services, but also essential opportunities uh, that will enable half of the population to flourish. So it's not only from a point of view of, okay, there is a hum- like, uh, like an undeniable human right here that it's at stake, but it's also because it's so stupid not to. <laughs> It's a uh, an undeniable massive opportunity of economic growth if you look at it from a country level perspective or, or from a GDP perspective. It's a it's an undeniable opportunity in terms of less risky or more robust growth uh, if you own a company or if you want to make a company grow, if you want to invest in a fund. So it makes no sense not to have gender equality in my head and in the head of many others that are, are real experts on the on the topic. So the intersection comes in, if I am all for okay, we, we need to change the status quo because it's taking us to places as a human race and as a planet where we're going to literally crash into the wall, gender is a big, big part of it because there are many groups that are, their rights are being denied uh, or that where um, the different power forces at play that will diminish their opportunities in life and, their, and the ways they interact with the economic system or with society as a whole, such as the race, uh, such as uh, being from a, a sexual minority. So the LGBTQI um, community, Mm-hmm. Other other minorities within the different countries or within the different uh, regions of the world that are in constant fight and in constant push to preserve their rights, to preserve their land, to preserve their customs, their culture, etc. But they're all important. But gender is so much in your face; it's like half of the population mm-hmm. that it becomes. Okay, if we're going to start from somewhere. Let's start by here because it's so big. The problem is so big and it's so real. And the third thing of where it interconnects is that on my day-to-day life, I experience (laughs) gender discrimination in many micro ways that are sometimes not even noticed or you're you're brought up not to notice or you're brought up not to fight against them because it's not ladylike or because it's, oh, you don't want to be that person that is always nagging about this. Mm -hmm. Well, the more you know and the more you become aware of it, you go like, okay this permeates everything i do in life so it doesn't matter if i had chosen to be a dentist it would permeate if i if you become aware of the issue it's impossible not to find the intersection between what you do and and gender because it's affecting your day to day life mm-hmm. so for me it's um it came more as, as an opportunity but mm-hmm. as a as a, a boss that i had years ago said once once consciousness is awakened in you, it's very hard to quiet it, to make it quiet again. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened to me and gender. So I'm I'm a woman, but I'm also um, a gay woman. I'm married to a woman. Uh, and it, it took a lot of me to, to go through that journey coming from the culture I come from, how I had been brought up, the family I come from. So I had to fight a lot of battles. I fought them in solitude and I, I never wanted to be outspoken. I never wanted to be like uh, uh, like being the one carrying the flag or anything. I wanted to not annoy anyone. Uh, And in a way, when working specifically on gender, though I had studied it in university and it, it had never clicked until the opportunity of working on this specifically came. And that's when I became really aware of all these micro levels of confinement that women find that really prevent them from reaching their full potential. And it doesn't matter. Of course, it's a lot more uh, acute and problematic if you're a black, lesbian, uh, other minority women living in a particular country. Of course, that's a lot worse than uh, if you're me who is white, who has had the privilege of being educated and loved as a child and who has had the privilege of an open minded family that accompanied her along the way. But it's still at the the job level or at many other levels. It's 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 so ridiculous. And once you become aware, I mean, it's now it's it's cutting across everything I do. And whenever I have the chance to speak up and say, hey, listen, why don't you have a woman in that panel Mm -hmm. or are you paying for your male speakers to fly over and speak in that conference? Are you paying also for your female speakers? And if they say no, it's like, well, unless you pay, I'm not going to travel. I'm not going to participate in this. Having that validation and and that sort of courage to speak up to me came when I started consciously working on gender. and now I cannot quiet it down. I'm not the, uh, I don't know, the, the 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 kind of of personality or person that will be, annoying everybody along the way, but I will say things and I, and things that I would not have said before, like little jokes that are made, especially in Latin America, such a macho culture. Mm. You go to a meeting or you go to a meeting with friends and the jokes about women are constant and they're coming as waves all the time. Mm. And so you're, or I'm learning to say, no, there's yeah. a boundary here. Don't, don't say that. That's bad. And I'm learning to say that to myself as well. It's like what you've just said is, diminishing, it's limiting, it's don't say that. So yeah, it's it's been a journey, but one that I'm very thankful and I feel very privileged that to be working, for example, now with Promujer has opened all this other dimension of, um, yeah, of, of what I'm fighting for, if you like, uh, uh, moving forward.
0: Wonderful. So I wonder, at Promujer, how can social finance create collateral beauty?
1: So in many ways, and I think mujer is, that's where I, I talk about the opportunity because it's, although I was aware, I wasn't really aware. It wasn't until I started really working with an organization that it's actually a leader in the field uh, that I became much more aware. So my, my work with them is, is basically to try and find this, uh, find, create, develop, launch and implement <laughs> these different financing vehicles through which other kinds of investors that are not the traditional investors in Promujer, which for 31 years has been mainly a microfinance institution, can start investing with a gender lens uh, and, and, and tapping into other segments of the market that are either underserved, like the missing middle, so small companies in Latin America that are owned or led by women or that employ a lot of women in their value chains, or uh, accessing the capital markets, for example, towards investing with a gender lens. So on, on that particular front, my work at Promujeres is, is really finding the inter, in, intersection between the instruments, so the financial instruments, mm-hmm. the capital, what kind of investors will invest in these instruments and, and through which means, and the impact. So to which segment of the market, to which kind of women are we tapping or what is the gender lens that we are applying here? Because it doesn't necessarily always mean that you're investing in women. It might be that you're investing in sectors that disproportionately affect for uh, women in a good way or in a bad way. So you're trying to curb what's the wrongdoing of investing in certain sectors that affect women in a bad way. And you're trying to prompt investing in sectors that are giving women more opportunities, whether it is in accessing services, in accessing services like education or health or preventative health, access to finance, etc. So that's where the intersection lies, is you want to make women part and parcel of the economy, the financial sector, the opportunities that we all should have, well, then you have to invest <laughs> making sure that that's not overlooked or that it's not taken for granted. Like, oh, I'm putting out an instrument or a product to the market. I'm a bank. I'm putting out a product for SMEs. But whenever an SME that is led by a woman is approaching a commercial office of that bank in a particular location in that country, the officer sat behind the desk in that particular bank will say, oh, that's all very good. Your company seems fine. Now bring your husband in order to sign the papers to open the account. So yes, the bank is opening up finance, but unless it looks into those little little details, it's excluding women from that. And that's a very obvious example, but sadly, I must say it's an example that it's real and it comes from Latin America. Um, there are many other layers that you can work on so as to make finance accessible, to invest with a gender lens, which again, by no means means only investing in women. It, be, it means making sure that, there are no curveballs or they're not hitting facts there that you're forgetting about that will at the end of the day, prevent women from having a fair deal when they go to market. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder there's a lot of
0: talks at the moment to um to address big, big issues, or it says we look at climate change and we look at how women are disproportionately affected. Uh, by climate change, how do financial instruments need to adapt to join both?
1: Or is it is it a limit to that? There is a clear link in areas that are, I mean, in, in countries and in areas of the world that are A, very prone to natural disasters, which you can now say, A, it's to natural events. Not, there's no such thing as a natural disasters. So they're prone to natural climatic events. So for example, areas such as as Bangladesh or parts of Southeast Asia that are prone to flash flooding like what happened now in Pakistan, for example, Uh, or uh, areas like Central America that are very prone to cyclones and hurricanes or areas that are very prone to uh, having earthquakes. Where you see that, or where you see the effects of mass deforestation and how that affects rain patterns and, and famine for example, and the effects of rain patterns over crops and and in time over access to food for very, very, very vulnerable segments of the population, you see a very clear intersection between what climate change is doing and how the biggest burden of the effects of climate change into those natural climatic events becoming a disaster is burned by women and girls, why? Because they're the ones carrying children when they have to escape from a flash world. Because for example, in countries such as Bangladesh, a lot of women do not know how to swim, or even if they know how to swim, their clothing is so restrictive, is, that they cannot swim fast enough to get out of it. A- and this is real things. My first job in development was on disaster risk reduction. So this is real, this is real. Some women, even if they could swim, they can't because of the clothing. So there you see a very clear link of what's going on with 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 Africa and in certain countries like um, because of the effects of war in Ukraine and not enough uh, wheat or different grains being able to flow through the system but also because of the effect of climate change and 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 the biggest drought in 40 years and how that has affected the, the crops that they had in order to feed themselves and how famine disproportionately affects women. So you see the clear link there. When you look at other countries, the link is less clear, at least to me. There is an indirect link between climate change and gender. And so I think that in countries like the ones I've described that are prone to natural hazards that become disastrous, which are always man-made so, or human race-made, let's use a gender neutral term there, <laughs> There, very clear link. In other parts of the world, this is my own personal opinion, it, there is a lot of hype around climate and investing in climate change because that is a area of the market for impact investment and sustainable fin- finance. You can look at any indicator or any, like you can look at bonds, you can look at the indicators that are being um, passed, uh, like um, published by IFC, by the GIN, etc. That's where the largest section of the money that is floating in the market, both for sustainable finance and impact investment, has gone and is still going. That's where the trillions are. Okay, so there's a lot of hype about that. There's a lot of hype about net zero, about just transition, about investing in in stopping the uh, climatic disaster that we're all heading towards. And there's a lot of hype right now about gender, which is a good thing. Both things are a good thing. But there's an opportunistic view in my view of joining the two together to try and traction capital towards the two issues at the same time. How can you connect the dots if you're investing with gender and climate change when you are a, I don't know, a company that is located in a particular state in the U.S., to me is less clear or in, let's say, in Argentina, where... Yeah, with agribusiness, it's a it's a big business, not only in Argentina, but in many other Latin American countries like Bolivia, you look at Paraguay, you look at any country. Agribusiness is a huge industry. It's not subsistence farming. Yes, there is an effect of climate change on rain patterns and on the quality of soil and on the quality of the crop that you're producing through this very big business in in these countries in Latin America. Is there a clear connection between that and gender? Uh, no. Why? Because the way those crops are being produced or those natural resources are being exploited is so automated by now that is there an effect on women's employment? Not really. They were not there. Is there an effect on access to education and quality of life? Yes, but it's separate from the fact that agribusiness and climate change have a link. You know, it's. So yeah, there, there's okay. not there's not such a clear link in in my personal view it is clear in countries that are prone to natural hazards not so clear in countries that are feeling the effects of climate change but it's not so much intertwined with the generation which is very real and very palpable and very much a real thing but it seems to be going through a different route than whatever is happening with climate
0: Sounds to me like there's a glass
1: full of air somewhere. <laughs> oh, there's many. There's many. With us, there's many. With Within us. the impact investment field, I mean, I've done the tour this year of conferences, which is amazing because we're back to normal. But I was shocked. I mean, because with the trillion comes a huge responsibility of now ensuring that the 1.164 trillion US dollars that are floating on impact investment are not a hot air balloon. And I think that it's a a lie, it's fake to say that, oh, we don't have, it's too costly to measure this or to factor this into how you do a profit and loss for a company, how how do you factor in the impact cost of this or how do you factor this, like the impact-weighted financial accounts are trying to do to um, assign a, a financial value to the impact, both positive and negative, that a particular investment or a particular company has on people and planet it's a lie that we cannot do it we can do it the fact that we choose not to has to do with political pressures with the little circles or big circles of power that still dominate the conversation it's a it's a lie that we don't have the technology to migrate from carbon to other things it, there's there's a conscious decision not to move faster so yeah 1.164 trillion i don't i don't i mean it could be 50 trillion for for all that matters the reality is that it's not moving uh, to where it needs to go for a lot of reasons that have nothing to do with us having the means or the technology or the knowledge to do it. It has to do with power. It has to do with political forces at play that prevent that from happening. And if we enable this to continue this way, yes, it's a hot air. It's a a balloon filled of hot air. Impact, gender and climate, whatever. So it's time to really narrow it down to, okay, what does it really mean? And how do we account for this? And what's the value of this? And once we have that, then we can move forward. Wow. <laughs> oh. Marie, you've given us some,
0: some real pointers here, let alone the circle of power, the collateral beauty, and, 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 uh, and, uh, and a glass half full. You, you've given us some pointers to really rethink about uh, what's going on at the moment in social investment, and through you know, and and looking at how can we be more thoughtful in the way we invest? How could how could we be really courageous leaders, not just powerful leaders? How can we be more confident in in uh, activating investment in in places that need it the most? Maria, I wonder, is there if there's a question that you want to? Uh, Ask yourself, as
1: you continue on your journey, what would that question be? To me, a question that has been bugging me for this year. I said that 2022 was a year to listen. I've done part listening. I've spoken a bit, but a lot less than previous years. And the question that bugs me is, so what's next? Because many of the things that I work towards, both from my previous life at the Principal's responsible investment and then with ACROX and with the global steering group on impact investment and um and everything I've done on that sh- the sphere of sustainable finance impact investment which was you need to get this conversation into the right circles of power get this conversation going get this topic as part of the discussion get it get it in the get it in it's done there's a big question mark on it's been done at what cost and now for what? Because if we, and I'm not talking about myself, I'm talking about a lot of people that pushed in the same direction. We pushed, we got it there. We've got it to what we call tipping point. Okay, fantastic. So what's next? Because tipping point as we know, because that's what's happening right now, as it happened, it's not gonna solve the issue because it's a, it's a balloon filled with air, a little bit of substance, but a lot of air. So how do we narrow it down? So to me, it's what's the next thing that we need to be working on and focusing on? How do we curb this so that we channel this energy and all these supposed trillions that are flowing in this direction in the right manner so that they achieve the objective that they should achieve? And how do we become more vocal about it? I think that up to now, In order to gain traction of the big brands and the big funds and the big names and the big whatever we've been very like i was describing myself with the issue of gender it's like very nicely nicely we don't want to antagonize anyone We're, we're going to come into the room we want to be part of the conversation so we want to be friends with everyone well enough that's it we've done it now so we're part of the conversation okay now we need to push forward. And if we antagonize some, well, so be it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to me, the next big step forward is, okay, how do we really make sure that this supposedly trillions are moving in the right direction? That's why the SDG impact has is adding value. That's why that conversation needs to happen and needs to be pushed. That's why conversations that around gender need to be pushed forward. That's why conversations around measuring and, and reporting and complete alignment between financial returns and impact return is a valuable one. To me, this question that I had throughout 2022, the, now coming to the end of the year, my answer is, okay, it's in transparency. It's in working there. It's in developing the systems that will enable others to do this and if I create my own investment vehicle etc or whatever we're we're working with uh, make sure that this is 100% robust because uh, it makes no sense to do it otherwise.
0: Wonderful so that's a clear invitation to rigor and robustness of of action. Thank you so much Maria for it.
1: thank you Servan for opening up the conversation and the opportunity. (laughs)
0: next guest in the House of Trust is Tara Sabri-Cullier, Collier, is an African-American early-stage investor. Tara works at the intersection of economic development, social entrepreneurship, and impact investment. She loves building ecosystems for gender equity, ethnic diversity, representation, and inclusive development. With Tara, we'll hop on the historical train to look at the roots of finance, the issues with capital that's relentlessly circulating among the same privileged circles of people, and the challenge we face today to break these patterns, especially if we want to keep widespread financial inclusion in mind. Tara will call out new instruments and initiatives that give us hope, actually. So I look forward to welcoming you back to the House of Trust again. If you don't want to miss it, subscribe to the show anywhere you can find your podcast. And for more insights and opportunities to think independently for yourself, head to my website, servanmoisan.co.uk, and sign up for my regular Conscious Innovation updates. And it's especially interesting for people who love to invest in social change and ignite a positive impact. So I look forward to connecting with you again. Bye.